I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel today. 1 Samuel is where we're going to be. Uh, it's right after the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, right before, let's see who can get it, 2 Samuel. I thought I'd end with that one instead of start with that one, you know, usually I, never mind. Um, if you want to turn there, if you brought your Bibles up, if not, we'll have it on the screen for you as well. Um, I want to take this time, I've been blessed uh, to follow after a great man in my dad, and uh, I'm blessed to have a great dad, and I know during all of this COVID stuff that's been going on that we have been more intentional as a, as a family, as my dad and my brother and I are all in ministry, uh, to watch one another as we bring God's Word and as we preach. And so, Dad, I want to say hello to you. Happy Father's Day. I love you. I love you too, Ian, <laughs> my son. My firstborn who made me a dad <laughs> right behind the camera. So that, that worked out. So thank you for allowing me that, that privilege and honor today. Uh, I am blessed. I am blessed. I'm a rich man because I've had a great, uh, great opportunity to be a dad and to have a great dad. So happy Father's Day. Maybe some of you are like me. And as we've grown up in, in this world, as we've grown up in our lives, there's been times in our life where maybe we have been scared of living up to the expectation that's there for us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you can think about a time in your life where you knew there was maybe some pressure on you in your life, or maybe there was an expectation for you that you just hoped and you prayed you could live up to. That you could be all that you are supposed to be in that moment. Uh, maybe you've had a time in your life where, where you thought you had done that and you'd lived up to every expectation that was placed in front of you. But maybe you've been overlooked for something that you thought you deserved. That you thought maybe you were, dare I say, entitled to or, or pri privileged to have that opportunity. One of my greatest fears in life is being overlooked for something because of something else that's totally out of my control. Let me give you just a small example of what I'm talking about. In, in, our, in, in, in my calling in life, God has called me to preach and to teach His Word. And I'm so thankful for that calling, that privilege, and that honor. One of the things that God continues to work out in, in my life is that um, the, the teaching side of that and, and how God is preparing me in, in those moments to, to do more than just preaching and declaring God's Word, but having the opportunity to teach and to educate. And, and one of those things that has to happen for that is that I've got to be educated so that I can educate others. And all the teachers said, amen. Couple, come on now, teachers. So... In one of those situations, in, in my process of ordination to become uh, an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene, we have to go through this process where people look at our education to make sure that we're ready for what they think we need to be ready for. And I've been going through that process, and before I was ordained, one of, the, one of those meetings I was in, I was sitting at the table with about 12 other men and women who had already gone before me, and they began to question my education. 
They began to question whether it was good enough to do what God had called me to do. They began to question if I had enough of it or if I was on the right track. And believe it or not, some of those questions were coming from men and women who had no idea the education that I was getting. And if I can be so bold to say, you know what, I was pretty, I was righteously mad when I left that meeting. But it made me think about something. You know what? I said, I started to pray. I said, God, you know my heart. You know where you've led me and you know what you're guiding me to. May I never be overlooked because of something I can't control. And maybe for you, it's, it's maybe it's not your education. Maybe it's something for some of you. Maybe it was a, a sports team. I had that happen to me as well. Let me tell you a brief story about that. I was, we had just moved to Colorado and I was going to gym class for the first time. I've probably shared this story with you before, but gym class is where I made a name for myself, believe it or not. I couldn't wait to get to gym class because that's when I could show people who BJ was. So it's nice out. It's August in Colorado, and so instead of, we couldn't go out and play football, but we went out and we thought, the nice weather, we're going to play baseball. And I thought in my head, yes, that's my sport. You know, I had grown up being a starting shortstop and pitcher, and, and I was, uh, made all-star teams, and I was excited to go prove myself on that gym baseball field. So what does good, a good gym teacher do at the first of the class? He picks the two oldest kids in the class, the two seniors, and he says, you're captains, start picking the team. And me, as a scrawny little freshman, waited my turn, and I thought, yeah, this isn't going to go well. And we start going. He starts picking their friends. They pick their older, the older classmates. And we keep going through the time. And I'm thinking, no, God, I don't need a sermon illustration right now. God had a sense of humor. As I'm standing there next to the last, the other last person to be picked, we're going to play baseball this person did not look like a baseball player, if I could say that. And I thought, Lord, please, don't let me get picked last. And sure enough, the next pick was the guy standing next to me. And I got to be picked last. I was overlooked based on my appearance, based on what people thought they knew about me, based on things that were completely out of my control. It's been one of my biggest fears in life. I don't want to be overlooked for something I have no control over. I don't want to be pushed aside just because somebody thinks differently of me. Maybe for you it's a sports team, maybe it's, maybe it's your education, maybe for you it's, it's something else in your life. But let me ask you this question this morning. What is your greatest fear? What is your greatest fear? Maybe you've thought about that in the past, maybe you've thought through your fears in the past but whether or not you've deserved a certain job or position, whether or not you thought you should have been on that spot on the team, or I've even been in this scenario, and some of you I'm sure have as well. Kids, I'm sure you've been there too. Maybe you didn't get invited to the birthday party. Whatever your greatest fear 
may be. I think it's important for us to realize that in these moments of of wondering, of feeling sorry for ourselves, that we have to be careful not to fall into this sulky, poor, poor, pitiful me state of mind. Rather, I hope that we can learn from the Lord through His Word how we can still have hope with redemption in those moments of fear in our life. Amen? And the reason we can have hope with redemption is because we can look to our Lord Jesus Christ, who, believe it or not, has everything under control. That deserved an amen. I'm going to preach and I'm going to tell you how to respond if this is going to be how today's going to go. The, the Lord has it under control, amen? He has, he knows your fears. He knows what people think about you. But here's the really most important thing. He thinks something totally different about you. He is your heavenly father and the word says, this is free, this isn't even in our notes. That if we as earthly fathers want to give good gifts to our children, wouldn't he want to give even better gifts to his children? You're his child today. He loves you. He has a gift of hope with redemption for you today. Why? Because he has things under control. This morning we're going to look at the life of David. And I want to look at a few different moments in his life that led him to a place where he could have hope with redemption. And I want us to look first to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I want to read this text to you from the verses of 1 through 13 in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. So would you follow along as I read from God's word this morning? The Lord said to Samuel, Samuel is God's prophet. He is the one that God is speaking to. How long will you mourn for Saul? Saul was the king and he had done something wrong and now Samuel is being told by God to go and anoint the next king, but Saul is not dead yet. How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Lord, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. 
So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Today, we're going to look to God's Word and see a little bit about David's life that can help us today to live in the awesome truth that we can have hope with redemption today. There's so many things that we think about when we think about David. David the king, David the shepherd boy, David and Goliath, and there's so many different stories we can choose from and pick from. But today, I want us to look at David from a little different perspective, I want us to look at David as a son for a moment. And let's look at some of these characteristics of David as a son. The first one I want us to see is that David could be considered the forgotten son. The forgotten son. You see, as we just read, God has told Samuel, the prophet, God's messenger, Samuel, I need you to go and anoint a new king. King Saul has, has sinned against the Lord and against his people, and he no longer has my blessing, and we need to find the next king. And Saul is still living. And so this brings up some, some really hard political things for Samuel as he's the prophet, as he's the messenger, he's, he's revered, and yet he knows that if the king finds out about this plan, the king will probably have him killed. And yet Samuel is obedient to God and he begins to seek out the new king. And we see that Samuel is directed to the town where Jesse lives. Now, if you're, if you're not familiar with this family line, let me just find, kind of fast forward quite a few years. This is the same line that Jesus Christ comes from. That's pretty cool. I think it's cool when the Old Testament and the New Testament kind of meet together and marry one another, isn't it? Jesse is in the same line, the same lineage. When you read Luke chapter 2, you see the lineage of Jesus. Jesse is there. And Jesse is chosen by God for Samuel to go to Jesse's house. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's house and he goes and he enters and he says, we're going to have a worship service and I want you to collect your family, collect your sons, and I want you to get yourself ready and come to this special time of worship that God has planned for us. So they get all ready. But David is the forgotten son. David's number eight. How many of you in here are child number eight in your family? Anybody? few of you? Okay. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of families nowadays that go that far. The next one for the McLeans will be number eight. So we'll make sure that I'm not making the announcement. That's up to them to do. But <laughs> no, there, there's, there's number eight. And, and my mom had eight kids in her family and, and she was not number eight. But I can imagine that the baby of the family is the one that's kind of pushed aside at times. There's been seven of Jesse's sons. 
He gets them all ready. Samuel's coming. This is an important day. We need to be ready. We need to look our best. We need to have our best foot forward. Number eight, you go take care of the sheep. Number eight, eh, we probably won't get to number eight. So you go take care of the stuff we don't want to do. Okay? David is kind of sent out and he's given, he's given probably the, the chores nobody wants. He's, he's given the, the crumbs at the table because everybody else ate and he's the one left over. He's, he's the runt of the litter. He's the forgotten son. David is sent out to tend the sheep. And as we go through this story, Samuel comes to Jesse and he looks at the first son and he thinks, surely this is the one by his stature by his experiences, Samuel has experiences in, in looking and choosing God's chosen person. And he's, got, he's just looking at this man thinking, this has got to be it. What an easy trip this was. Number one and done, we're out of here. And it wasn't. So then he goes down the line. Number two, sure, you're, you're a good fit. Number two, yep, God says no. Three, four, five. Finally, I can see Samuel kind of getting frustrated, can't you? Jesse, what are you doing to me, man? And he goes back to the, the father and he says, Jesse, do you have any more sons? I told you to bring your whole family. Well, yeah, but David, he's just David. He's out in the field. We kind of forgot him out there. We didn't tell him this was happening. David's the forgotten son. He's left out there. Well, Samuel kind of puts it to him a little bit. And he says, you know what? We've had all of this planned and this is going on. And now I want you to go get David and we're going to wait here until he comes. Can you imagine all those other brothers? Now we got to wait for this runt. We got to stand here and not do anything until he gets here. We can't move on until he comes. What is going on here? You see, Samuel, he went down the line. He looked for the right one. And yet his experiences, his thought process, his understanding of this process still wasn't what God wanted. And we see that in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Aren't you glad for this next sentence? The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Praise be to God. <laughs> people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, sometimes life can seem pretty hopeless when your own family or your own father rejects you or forgets about you. Maybe you've felt that rejection today. Maybe you've sensed that feeling before of being cast out by the people that are supposed to love and care about you. Maybe you have faced that reality of being rejected or forgotten or overlooked. How will you and try, how will you try and find hope in your situation? Maybe we can look at David. And see what David did. We see David as the forgotten son. But the second thing is we see David as the fallen son. The fallen son. We're going to fast forward in David's life a little bit. You see, David becomes king of Israel. He's anointed by Samuel in that day in the text we read. But then we fast forward. David lives his life as, as quite the young man. 
He goes through many different paths to finally become the position of king. But before that, he, he's a warrior. He's a friend. He's a loyal soldier to his predecessor, as we read throughout Scripture. And finally, the day comes, and he leads the way. He leads the people the way God wants him to as king of God's people. Until he doesn't. Hmm. That could probably be said about all of us. We live the way we're supposed to live until we didn't. Until we messed up. Until we tried to do it on our own. And we see David has lived an incredible life to this point. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it tells us about David's fall from God's will and his, his sin that he commits. And as you read chapter 11 of 2 Samuel, I would encourage you to go back and read that chapter and make yourself aware of, of what's going on here in, in this story. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see the story unfold. And verse 1 tells us, of, of really the start of the problem. David is king. He is supposed to be out on the front lines with his men. He's supposed to be leading by example. He's supposed to be in battle, and his, his army is at war. They're in battle. And David decides, you know what? I'm going to skip this one. I've conquered a lot. I've done a lot. I don't really need this one on my belt buckle. I'm going to let somebody else take the lead. Sounds like a noble thing to do, but the reality of it is, is he's in the wrong place. He's not supposed to be home, but David stays home. In verse one, we read the story about him sending his army out to battle and he stays home. I can imagine that since he's made this mistake of leadership, that now he's regretting it. And the Bible says that he couldn't sleep and he goes up on the roof of his palace for a walk. I don't know about you, but when I can't sleep, I really don't like to get out of bed, but sometimes I have to. David gets out of bed. He goes for a walk. He goes up on the top of his palace. He's being able to look at his kingdom and all that God has blessed him with. And then all of a sudden, he sees something he shouldn't be seeing. He's where he shouldn't be at a time he shouldn't be there. And now he sees something he shouldn't have seen but he could have stopped there. He could have went back to bed. But David makes a choice. You know what? That's pretty. That looks enjoyable. That looks like somebody I want to meet. And he begins to dwell on it. He begins to sit there and think about things he shouldn't think about. And then all of a sudden, he seeks it out. Not only has he made the mistake of not being in the right place. Last, last week we talked about being in the center of God's will and sometimes we get sidetracked. David started getting sidetracked by not going to battle with his men. He hadn't committed sin yet, but now he starts to dwell on this, on this thing that he shouldn't be looking at, this woman that he sees. But then he puts action to it and he sends a servant to find out about her. And then he realizes, you know what, I want that. And I'm king, so I can have that. And he sends for her. And he commits sin. 
not just in his mind and his heart, he makes the willful choice to disobey God's law. And he turns against God's will for his life in that moment, and he commits sin, he commits adultery with Bathsheba. He's made the choice to fall. He commits a sin. And many times when we commit sin or we do something we shouldn't do, normally that leads to more things we shouldn't do. So one step leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. He went and sent his men off without going with him. Then he goes and walks and he sees something he shouldn't see. And then that leads to the actual disobedient and sin and then it leads to a cover-up and he finds out who this woman is married to and he sends for her husband who's actually one of his loyal soldiers so then he's trying to cover it up and set it up to where he wouldn't get caught and then that cover-up leads to something else that didn't work so he tries another mistake and he says to his his commanding leader he says put Uriah out on the front lines and then when he's out there we got to get rid of him. So from a choice of not going to battle with his men, to looking at something he shouldn't look at, to, to dwelling on it, to then taking it for his own even though it's not his, one sin led to another, led to another, led to another. And the mistake of being in the wrong place goes from there all the way to murder. David, a man after God's own heart. David, the fallen son. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, we see what God thinks of David's actions. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. Have you ever felt like you've just blown it? We all have. The Bible tells us that we've all fallen, that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glory. But when we've done these things that sin and go against his will for our lives, we could insert our name into this verse. But the thing BJ did displeased the Lord. Put your name in there. We've all been there. We've all made that mistake. We can relate to David the things that we've done have displeased the Lord. We feel hopeless. We feel like we need rescued in those moments. Am I right? We see David as the forgotten son. We see David as the fallen son. And we can relate to those things. And finally this morning, we see David as the forgiven son. We see David find hope with redemption this morning. And David knows he's done wrong. And David... I'm so glad for David's leadership because David surrounded himself with people that tried to better David. David surrounded himself with people when David was weak, they were strong. And one of those persons in his life we see next in the story. David has committed this, this sin and he's, he's done something that's displeased God. And one such friend that he goes to in confidant was Nathan. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, we see forgiveness take place and the hope with redemption can begin for David. Listen to this verse. David says to Nathan, 
I have sinned against the Lord. There's his confession. He's admitted he's done wrong. And Nathan, his confidant, his friend, his, his companion, his person, says to him, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. Mm. I hope you have a friend like that who can reassure you of God's love for you, who can reassure you that you do have hope. Even when we blow it, dads, come on. Even when we, when we get angry and we yell at our kids, maybe when we shouldn't have been so hard on them, or maybe that's just me, I'm sorry. But even in those moments, hopefully we have somebody that says, you know what? Yeah, you've sinned, but God can take away your sin. God will take away your sin when you confess it and you admit to it and you turn it over to him. You see, David continued to live his life out for God as best he knew it. He continued to lead with God's direction in mind, but David also had to continue to live and lead with the consequences of his sin at hand. You see, just because we're forgiven doesn't mean the consequences go away. David continues to worship and give God praise. And one of the things that comes from David's forgiveness are many of the Psalms that we read in Scripture today. And I'm thankful for the experiences that David had because it helps us to discover that we too can have hope with redemption. One of those Psalms that gives us a glimpse of David's feelings is Psalm 32. I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles and you want to flip over to Psalm 32, Psalm 32 is a, is a psalm written by David that explains his feelings and emotions of what God has done to him, for him. Follow along as I read this psalm for us this morning. Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Wow, we could stop right there, but we're not going to. <laughs> Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. But then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, seeing all of you who are upright in heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
He is faithful. He is good. And just like David experienced this love and this forgiveness, God gave him a new sense of hope and redemption that came with it. And what did it cause David to do? It caused him to sing and worship the Lord with all of the faithfulness and grace and goodness that he could muster. Mm. In your moments of being forgotten, in your moments of falling into sin, when you've turned the corner and you've made things right, are you living with a thankful heart? Can you exclaim these same words that David is? Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. Because God has redeemed you. He's given us a new hope. Praise his name. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you've never felt that emotion, if you've never felt the, the, the assurance of God's love, you can you can experience that. We don't have to stay as the forgotten son or daughter. We don't have to stay as the, the fallen son or daughter. But we can have hope because when we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and that he can give us that hope, we can become the forgiven son and daughter. And we can rejoice because God has given us a new hope. So what is our hope with redemption? God is our hope and redemption. Amen? God is the one who is the source of all of our hope. What do we have to look forward to? We have to look forward to the fact that God can still use us. God still loves us. That's the second part of our hope with redemption. He loves you. I've said this every week in this series, and somebody needs to hear it today. Maybe it's you. God loves you. Your heavenly Father loves you today. You have hope with redemption because he cares about you and he loves you. Amen? Those of you that know God's love for you and you've experienced that, would you just give me an amen? Somebody needs to hear you. Yes, God loves you. He has a plan for you. Part of that plan is he wants to rescue and redeem us. I'm so thankful that in the midst of living in a dark world, in the midst of God planting each and every one of us in this world at this time, for such a time as this, I believe God wants to use you and he wants to use me to redeem the evil that's happening in our world. Only he can do it if we give our lives to him. He can give us a hope that he will rescue and redeem us. It can only happen, though, as we let him lead our life. Hope with redemption comes when we let him lead our life. You know, it's easy for us at times, it's easy for me at times to, to really kind of do things on my own. I can go through the motions pretty simply. I can do my best to be everything I need to be so that I'm not overlooked. I can make sure that, that my education's intact. I can make sure that, that I'm doing everything I can that somebody doesn't pass me by. 
I can make sure that I'm being that good friend to my friends so that I get invited to the next birthday party. I can make sure that I'm practicing my skills on the field so that I'm not looked over for the team. But if it does happen, you're God's number one pick. God's not overlooking you today. He's saying to you, friend, son, daughter, child of mine, I want to lead you to a promised land. I want to bless you beyond belief. I want to redeem your lost years of your life. I want to give you a new hope and redemption today. David was forgotten. David fell into temptation and gave into sin. But David was forgiven, redeemed, and given a new hope. Where are you today? Maybe you feel forgotten. Maybe you feel like you can't get up after you've fallen. Maybe you need God's hope today. Today is the day that we can be given that hope and redemption from our loving Heavenly Father. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And We're almost through here today with our service that we have planned, but I've asked the musicians to come back. As we've learned from David's life this morning, David was forgotten. David was blessed. He was given a great life. He was anointed. But then David made a choice and fell. But even after that fall, God gave him a new hope and redemption. Today, maybe you're there. Maybe you're feeling forgotten lately. Maybe you feel, felt overlooked lately. Maybe you've messed up this week. Maybe you've fallen and you need God's forgiveness today. Wherever you're at today, the good news today is that we all can experience God's love, His forgiveness, and His hope to redeem our lives, and to make us right with Him. Father in heaven, we come to you right now. We give you praise and thanks for choosing us. You have not forgotten us. You have not pushed us aside. And when we fall, you are there to pick us up. And God, wherever we may be today, Whichever camp we're in today, God, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us from the bottom of our heart cry out to you and say, God, help me. Help me to accept and receive your hope with redemption today. And we will be thankful. We will be thankful for what you've done. God, help us to let you lead our life from here on out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.